Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Kelly Tanner, RDH, and today I have with me Dr. Sam Shamardi. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm wonderful. Sam and I met, what, a year ago? Yeah, about a year ago at this time. Yeah, so we are at the Catapult Retreat in West Palm Beach, Florida. We just finished up our retreat. We're going to dine and have some cocktails this evening. And uh, I've been trying to nail Sam down for about a year now because he's so busy. And he has such an interesting story. He's a periodontist and he does a lot of wonderful things. And um, he's passionate about some things that I'll let him tell you about. But Sam, tell us why dentistry and like why periodontics? Yeah, good question. I mean, dentistry wise, uh, you know, the idea of helping people at baseline, not to sound corny, but true. That was a big motivation. Uh, perio, I think the big thing was one variety. Uh, I didn't want to, I knew I kind of wanted to get into the specialty when I was going to my last year, but I didn't really know what, uh, but I think just, just having the variety perio wise, uh, different procedures and that's always good. Uh, and I think the other big thing is just the systemic link. Uh, I think nowadays it's become a lot more popular and people are starting to finally understand it and wanting to address it more. But, uh, that was always kind of a big motivation for me. I always thought of dentistry as being some preventative field and, and, and being able to address much bigger issues. Little did I know once I got into it that that really wasn't the case. But I think it's, again, gaining a lot more steam now. And that, that was kind of a big motivation. Awesome. So you also are very passionate about a few things. I know that you also have a faculty appointment. Tell us about, like, why... What motivated you to be a clinician and then go back and teach and then tell us about that experience and how it helps kind of um, inform what it is that you do every day? Sure. I think, uh, you know, the the clinic side, like I mentioned, with the, the patients and treatment and trying to make them better, that's that's big. The, but the faculty side is kind of a whole different uh, side to it. Uh, I, I was influenced a lot by, you know, teachers ever since I was a kid, you know, there's a couple from elementary school that some of my childhood friends and I still try and visit and, and we keep in touch actually, uh, same through high school, same through dental school. So I always think of, uh, mentors that I had when I was a dental student. Uh, in fact, I just went skiing with them last weekend, oh, cool. uh, and, you know, mentor I had, uh, as, as a perio resident, uh, and you know, the influence they had on me was, just 
so so vast they, they they helped in so many ways so for me it was always an opportunity of thinking you know if i can have a, a similar influence even if it's a small amount uh you know to some of the residents uh in, in a perio program that that would really be great as, as a way i give back and that was kind of the motivation from the teaching standpoint so you're part-time there where and where tell everyone where you teach yeah Pretty so cool. yeah so I, I live in boston so uh, a couple great dental schools there i, I went to tufts dental school but right now uh, teaching i've been uh, at the harvard uh, perio division for out now believe it or not it's been 12 years this year i can't believe how long it's been but uh fortunate to be in the postgraduate program with the residents really talented group uh, everyone's as you can imagine very intelligent mm-hmm. uh very motivated they do a lot of incredible research and they just have a lot of enthusiasm so it's uh, it's great to be a part of it so what is the other than the clinical aspect of what i know that you impart with them and um try to tease out of the educational experience. Are there also soft skills and like other uh, business skills and leadership skills that you teach them or that you all discuss during your time together? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, I think one of the central themes with a dental education is that you, you learn a lot clinically. Unfortunately, uh, you don't really learn much about the business. Uh, and that's a big issue. If you look at dental professionals, you know, my own classmates, myself, you know, pretty much all of our colleagues, the dentistry is never really the challenge. We all kind of learn enough and evolve enough once we, we go into the working world. But it's it's the finance part. It's the, it's the business part. It's the knowing not only how to run a, a business and, you know, I as a periodontist work independently, but so I don't speak from a practice ownership standpoint. Obviously, I have a lot of colleagues that uh, can provide a lot of great insight to that, but more just when you graduate, how do you set up your, your life? How do you go about trying to understand how to pay back your loans? Uh, understanding your insurance options, why one versus the other, pros and cons, uh, knowing about, you know, a corporation, mm-hmm. what that means to you for, from a business standpoint, uh, and, and just having those discussions, even just basically like contracts, what to look for. So I'm able to just have in more of an informal way a lot of these discussions with uh, the residents that have been going, going through the program. And that's really valuable because, you know, they, they come out and obviously they're anxious for the work. But then they, they're always not sure when they're looking for jobs. They're like, well, I'm, I'm being offered this. Is this good? Yeah. What, what should I be asking? What should I be looking for? And we, we don't have that preparation. So that's a big area I try and help out. Yeah, it's um, – and then, too, outside of all the tactical operationalizing things, it's what about the – you now have a team to help and to support like are, are they do you think that you feel that they're ready for that aspect as well yeah it's it's a lot that they they really have to grasp uh, I, I think another theme we talk about is you know you have discussions about cases and literature and whatever it might be but what they have to appreciate is that when you're in a you know academic institution you're sitting around and working with like-minded individuals mm-hmm. they're all kind of on a similar level as you they speak the same language but the moment you step out into real you know out to the clinical world nobody nobody's on the same level anymore mm-hmm. they're you're speaking a foreign language so you have to be you know part business and ownership but you also have to be a, a people person you have to be an administrator uh, there's just so many other angles that you don't really think about until you get there and that's not even mentioning, you know, 
patient management and like the psychology that goes into trying to manage your anxious patients or your, you know, maybe your angry ones or whatever might be going on. There's just so much more that goes into it. And I think those intangibles uh, can really make a big difference. Oh, for sure. And then too, what I love to talk about is the technology piece of it that the practitioners are using to, to communicate with the patient, to um, allow them to understand the urgency of the care that, that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And talk to me about like some of the new and upcoming things that you're finding that might be, um, that might be cool that other practitioners should know about. Yeah, there's God dentistry is such a uh, technologically advanced field. It's a very entrepreneurial field, which is fun, mm-hmm. but it's a lot to keep uh, track of. So uh, I think there's a lot of great technology that's come along the way in each category. I mean, you look at, you know, diagnostic and, um, you know, we now have AI and, and what a huge impact that's going to make over time. Uh, you know, one of the companies that uh, I work with that's been here at the retreat, Pearl, what they provide in terms of AI and just the identification of things that we, you know, oftentimes wouldn't notice or catch because we're so busy at the office. So what they're able to do is, is, is just off the chart. Uh, you know, from a, a treatment standpoint, there's a lot of, uh, whether it's treatment planning software or just evolution in materials, you know, how much being in the perio world, you know, you think of implants and the advances in implant technology, uh, the surfaces, the design of the actual threads. Uh, there's just, you know, a lot from that uh, standpoint as well. And then maintenance, you know, we, we think of surgery all the time, but we don't put enough attention into the non-surgical aspect of stuff. So stuff that I'm sure as a hygienist, you know, from that world, uh, you can definitely identify with. So, you know, uh, different types of technology, Perio Protect that was here, you know, what they provide as a solution is, is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and even stuff as simple as, you know, uh, toothbrushes. You know, people don't think about the advanced technology that we've seen now uh, with mechanical toothbrushes, you know, the IO brush from Crest, for example, um, there's just so much more that we never had this type of technology yeah. before and, and these solutions can go such a far way. And so as a, as a, um, practitioner and you're making all these decisions, like what's the number one thing that you're looking for in a product or a technology when you make that decision? Yeah, I, I think for me, any product or technology, obviously as a speaker, it has to apply to something that I do. So I, I have to not only think it applies, but I actually have to get my hands on it or, or have some kind of experience using it and actually see the difference for myself. So uh, otherwise, uh, you know, there's no credibility as a speaker to talk about something that you don't actually use or, or have some kind of experience with. So that's something big. But I, I think the biggest thing is it doesn't have to be something, you know, radical. Obviously, a lot of them are in terms of what they can do. But uh, you, you have to see that it's something that's really uh, effective. You can see, you have to see it's something that really can make a, an impact for your patients. And, and a lot of it has to translate ultimately, not just into if it's going to make my job easier or better, but it has to translate into what it's going to do for the patient mm-hmm. because ultimately that's who we're treating. So if we see that the patient is going to get some kind of a meaningful, you know, change in their results or even just overall in their experience, you know, if there's a product that we can offer that will be, you know, smoother or, or give them the, you know, impression of having, a, you know, an easier experience or less discomfort or whatever it might be in, in that area, you know, if we can help make our patient experience better, that in itself is already something that's, that's worth it because ultimately they're scared to see us. 
And, you know, especially in the perio world, that anxiety and and fear is even that much heightened because of those words like, you know, surgery and, you know, blood and the post-op, you know, pain and morbidity. So every little thing that can help minimize uh, the patient, you know, experience and make things better, that's that's another huge thing to look for. Yeah, it's um, it's that it's that benefit over for overall health for the rest of the life. Right. too is what you're ultimately looking for yep. and of course that that function that um to make it making sure that they are understanding and also valuing what it is that uh, that part of their accountability that they need absolutely i think too and then too um as something else i know you're passionate about is hearing loss yes so tell us more about that because this is something that hasn't that i personally heard about Oh my gosh, was it 17 years ago? And I don't even know which event I was at. I was, it was when I was a baby hygienist and I was at this table and people were talking about the decibels and the sound. And I was like, huh, no one's ever thought about that. So tell us what you know about that, because this is a pretty cool topic. Yeah. Unfortunately, I know a lot about it. Uh, It's been something I've been um, interested in and and speaking on for about 10 years now. Uh, And it's something in in dentistry that unfortunately we, we don't really address, um, you know, dental professionals, essentially, you can make the argument that through the course of our careers, we're basically going to develop some level of of hearing damage simply because of the environment that we work in. So, you know, hearing loss uh, is a cumulative issue. And it happens if you're in an environment that's loud. And if you're in that environment for a long period of time. So a lot of times people think, well, I might only be in the office for a couple hours a day and I might only be using loud equipment for a short amount of that time. But what they don't realize is that they're doing that consistently mm-hmm. for a couple times, you know, per week, per month. And then our average careers are around 35 years. So you start adding that up over this long period of time. And that's where really the problem comes in. So, you know, the unfortunate thing is we just talked about how much we've evolved as a field technologically, but when it comes to PPE, we've got all these, you know, standards that we have on us. OSHA requires all these things, but uh, nothing's been done to actually protect our sense of sound. Mm. So all these different products that are out there or even gloves and masks are there to protect, you know, our hands or, you know, our, our uh, smell uh, to some extent because of all the chemicals that we inhale, right? right? But when you think about your sense of sound, all this technology that's happened through the decades, nothing's ever been done to address that. Mm. Despite the fact that we're right in the crosshairs of being in a field that causes this hearing damage and hearing damage is permanent. So once you start to lose it, you're never going to recover. And the other difficult thing is you will never realize that you actually have hearing issues and hearing loss until the point where it's so advanced Mm. that now you're at the point of no return. So it's really analogous to dentistry. I tell patients all the time, you know, we have that discussion with them about you have a small incipient lesion or, or a little bit of an infection and we're telling them to treat it. And they think, well, I don't notice anything and there's not a big deal. But then when they let it go and, you know, they come in and they've got a huge abscess and the infection's so big, they've reached that point where it has to, you know, be removed. It's a similar thing. By the time you then suddenly have interest and say, okay, now I'm ready to treat this, you're, you're already past that point of no return. So that's kind of what hearing loss is. And unfortunately, not only does it affect our careers as dental professionals, but there's a lot of systemic health uh, mm. repercussions as well that get overlooked. It directly rela- uh, it's directly linked to increased risk of cardiovascular issues, uh, diabetes, 
uh, for you know females that are, are wanting to have children at some point. It actually affects pregnancy and and low term you know preterm birth weight. So there's a lot of direct uh, evidence in the literature, and it's not something new. It's it's out there if you right. take a look. It's just not something that's ever been addressed for us as dental professionals, and and it's something that really should be taken a lot more seriously. What would you recommend a practitioner do to, one, be tested or to know if you're experiencing hearing loss? And then what can they do day to day to prevent that? Yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, our environment, it's not just people always think of the dental handpiece. And that's that's just one part of it. But you think of the high-speed suctions, the ultrasonics, the lab instrumentation. Pretty much most everything we use in the, our dental environment is contributing. So it's not like we can suddenly eliminate everything that we work with. Certainly, you can maybe improve on some of your equipment, um, you know, handpiece wise, for example, you can work with a company like NSK and go towards something electric uh, that's emitting much less noise. And that's great. But you still have the suction in the rest of the equipment there. So point I'm getting at is the best thing you can do. You can't do a wholesale ch- uh, change of your office, but you can protect yourself with equipment. So. Um, I developed uh, about a decade ago uh, in conjunction with a hearing um, company, uh, an electronic earplug that basically allowed us to uh, still be able to hear our patients completely 100% HD, even though our ears are sealed with a plug. But the high decibel, high frequency noise of a handpiece or any other equipment would actually be lower. So what that would basically mean is that we could be working in our environment 24 hours a day and even though we could still hear the noise, it wouldn't cause us the irritation and wouldn't cause the hearing damage. So that's kind of the, the tip of the spear uh, is to look for this type of electronic or what they call active protection. That being said, there are other solutions out there. There are passive plugs that have you know little filters in there, like musician ear plugs that they mold. Uh, that still helps for sure. And even if you were put foam in your ear, it's it's going to kind of cut you off from your environment a lot, but it's still effective as far as the hearing loss goes. You know, and I was just thinking about, you know, the offices that wear the headpieces with the sound and yep. uh, the patients ready enough. One, what are they finding that, because I was sitting there thinking that that is in their ear all day. All day. So how does that affect it based on what you know from the literature? Yeah, I mean, it depends obviously how often they're using it and how loud that volume is. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of dental professionals will find that they have uh, some hearing damage in the opposite ear from, you know, whatever their dominant hand is or however they drill. It tends to be in that opposite Hmm. side. Everybody varies. There's always a small genetic component to it. So there are some people that, you know, tend to be a little bit more resistant than others. But really, the bottom line at the end of the day is if you're a dental professional, it doesn't mean if you're the assistant, a staff member, obviously one of the doctors, hygiene, whomever it might be. If you are in the dental uh, dental environment, you you can't escape that 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 noise, and you are going to be affected over the long term. So either you have to do something to protect yourself and you know protect your sense of sound, or with time you're you're putting yourself not only like I said your sense of sound, but even your systemic health. You're putting yourself at risk. Yeah. So would you recommend as a preventive? measure that professionals, like especially dental professionals, go and have a screening for this? Yeah. I mean, a, a hearing test is very easy to get. Um, and it's something that we don't do enough of. The mm-hmm. stats of, you know, as a country and even as dental professionals is really low. The, the ironic thing is a lot of the major conferences, if you go in the back, you always see that they, they have trucks there with actual hearing tests. 
So a lot of conferences actually have it, but again, nobody ever thinks about it. And even if you see it, you think, what's there? What's this giant truck doing here? Like, I'm not going to go in there. So a simple hearing test can tell you a lot. Um, we have to keep in mind that the hearing test won't identify um, that you have hearing issues until it's already become a lot more advanced. So it's still a very good thing to do from a screening standpoint. Uh, but even if you're in stage one hearing loss and you've started to lose a lot of your high frequency hearing, a lot of times those hearing tests still aren't going to be able to identify that. So, uh, you know, ultimately it'd be great to do, but the, the one thing you can do that's a hundred percent effective is wear some, some form of protection. Oh, that's so interesting. And I never knew that those trucks were there. Yeah. How would you know if they're there? Do they, I, I don't remember seeing that in the program. Yeah. I mean, some of the conferences don't, but a lot of them do. And I think mm. obviously the, the bigger the conference, the more likely it is. But uh, obviously you could look in the directory and see. Uh, I know a local one by me being in Boston, the Yankee Dental Cong uh, Congress, we just had it last week. Uh, I don't know if they had it this year, uh, but they, they, they had it there for years. So you'd be surprised if you mm. start looking at a lot of these conferences do actually have it. That's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I learned that I'm yeah. learning so much. So prevention is key, get tested. And you're saying that with that, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't even pick it up, but for a certain level, only Correct. until you're at level one hearing loss. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So switching gears a little bit, you've been a practitioner for how many years? Uh, going on Well, I finished residency in 2010. So yeah, 13 years in, in private, and obviously we had to treat patients for a couple of years during residency. So it's been a bit. Yeah. So what would you say if you had to, if you had to even say it was like your top three pieces of advice to people just about being a specialist or being a dentist that you wish that someone would have told you about, like, you definitely need to go do this. Like, what would, what would those look like for you? Yeah, I think I think the couple main things is if you don't have a mentor, find one mm -hmm. because it's invaluable what they'll be able to help you with. It doesn't matter who it is, just somebody that you can bounce your ideas and mm -hmm. frustrations and experiences off of. Um, <clears throat> two, I think really important is to have a good financial base. So, you know, I, I did write a book for that purpose, trying to address that. And I'm not trying to say, you know, you have to go buy that yeah. book, but any kind of uh, advice you can get in terms of, like we talked about, knowing your options for insurance, contracts, uh, you know, the more of that you can learn, uh, the better. So you can notice the first two things I'm mentioning aren't even clinical. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how important kind of that business side of things are. Uh, and then the third, I think, you know, advice wise is just understanding that your first job isn't going to be your last and that uh, from a clinical standpoint, you know, you shouldn't stress so much at the beginning in terms of how fast you do things. I think that's a big obsession. I yeah. see a lot of the yeah. residents even come and say, hey, you know, how long should this procedure take? And it's like, that's not what it should be about. Focus on just doing uh, the best job possible with time and experience. You're going to get faster. You're going to get better and more comfortable. So. Uh, I think those are kind of the bigger things I always point out. Okay. What's the name of your book? Uh, it's called The Financial Survival Guide for Dentists. Okay. Yep. I, I didn't know that. Yep. You're famous. Well, I knew well, you were famous. No, no, no such thing. No <laughs> Maybe such infamous. Thing. That more likely, but there's, <laughs> there's no such thing as a famous dentist. So anybody that says that is is way off the rocket. So. But definitely trying to help. Cool. Uh, well, thank you so much. How do people find you? Uh, well, I, I'm pretty new to the social media game, but you can find me on there. It's just uh, at Dr. Sam Shumarty, uh, so that's probably the easiest way to find me. I'd give myself, but that's probably not a good idea. So, 
but yeah, that's the easiest way. Uh, I have a website too, just drsamshramarty.com. Uh, and obviously through Catapult, I think that's mm -hmm. another great way. Obviously something we're both a part of and uh, an organization that's, that's incredible. It's helped us a lot and, you know, the biggest source of education that's out there. So I think that's another easy way in terms of looking at where we are, what what topics we're discussing, what new events are going on, that type of thing. So but pretty easy to find. Okay. Yeah. And then also, too, you'll see uh, Sam's information in the show notes for this episode. And the website for Catapult as Education is catapulteducation.com. You can see all the speakers. We also provide product reviews as well. It's an amazing organization. So if you are an event organizer looking for speakers, they have qualified speakers just about on any topic. Yeah, literally. I mean, now we have a radiologist, uh, obviously hygiene, uh, endo, perio, and obviously uh, general practitioners that have done and seen everything. So uh, we've got an incredible team and a, a lot of variety to cover all sorts of topics. As we saw just from uh, the retreat this weekend, it's, it's, we've got a great group. Yeah, we sure do. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, if you wouldn't mind doing me a favor, you want to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and then also go to YouTube and like and subscribe and share this episode. Thanks for all that you do, and be well, and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. <music>